Joe, it's the episode we've been waiting a long time for. It's the day that we've been waiting a long time for. The NFL season is back. Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions, the reigning Super Bowl champions, and the Houston Texans kick off the 2020 season tonight in what should be a great game between two of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I think people are just excited the football's back. I don't think it's Christmas morning or, or Hanukkah morning. I don't know if that's a thing for you, but <laughs> that's what today feels like. today, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't think many people are expecting the Texans to win this game outright, but no. we've seen a lot of funny things that could happen on Super Bowl night, a lot of emotion in the air. And the Texans were up 24 nothing on the Chiefs last season in the playoffs, so who knows what could happen. But we had our preview last week, so we'll preview just each game of week one of the NFL season, kind of run through them, give them our picks straight up and against the spread as well. And we will start with tonight, Joe, Texans at Kansas City. Who do you like? Uh, so tonight, I mean, like you said, some funny things happen in week one. Um, and, you know, for our listeners, I mean, this is not going to be a weekly thing. We're not going to necessarily go through all 16 games every week. But this week, it's week one. Um, we know where we're at in the NBA. We know, we know where we're at in the NHL. More on that later. But one more week to piggyback off of last week, football, 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 because it's back. Uh, and with that, uh, I like the Chiefs outright tonight. I'm not going against them. Um, I do like them against the spread as well. It's minus nine right now. Uh, I, I think Andy Reid, you know, whenever he's got more than a week to prepare for a game, it's stellar. And this is a team that has been incredible on opening weekend the last couple of years. Uh, they came out and dropped, I think it was over 40 on the Patriots a couple of years ago on the Patriots banner night. Uh, they came out and torched the Jaguars. Uh, they, they've been really, really strong under Andy Reid the last few years on opening day. Is there the same emotions thing on opening night this year without a full crowd? I don't know. Um, sure, it still comes into play, but in a year that they didn't really have a full off season. It's going to take the Texans a little more time to cook, I think. They added Brandon Cooks. They added David Johnson. So they've got a new number one running back, a new number one receiver. I like them to get to eight wins over their seven and a half total. I like them to have a solid, mediocre type year where they're at eight or nine wins in a tight AFC South. Uh, But it's going to take them a few weeks because they've got the new pieces on offense. Their defense isn't as good. Um, I definitely go with the Chiefs. I love a high-scoring game tonight. I think – over the course of the week, you'll probably see more games go under the total because of offensive rust. But the Chiefs added nobody new to their offense. Uh, the Texans added a couple, but they're both explosive guys who can figure it out at some point. So, again, it'll take some time to, to fully get going for the Texans. But I got the Chiefs with a 40-burger tonight. Uh, Texans probably somewhere in the mid-20s, like 44-24 if you're looking to bet it. But, uh, but it should be fun. I'm just glad it's back. I'm glad it's back, too. I got the Chiefs winning – outright as well I think they take care of business tonight I do like the Texans to cover though this I think has backdoor written all over it I could see Watson coming down the field in you know garbage time somebody getting a late fantasy touchdown that could win them their matchup in week one um but you know I'm interested to see in all these week one games because usually in the NFL a lot of the week one games are low scoring but especially with no preseason it's going to be really interesting to see you're going to see a lot of bad tackling a lot of missed assignments defensively where you're going to see corners and safeties looking at each other like oh I thought you had it no I thought you had it and nobody had it and it's a 70 yard touchdown 
I think that's what you're going to see a lot of tonight with these. A lot of big touchdowns. Exactly. But when you get to a game like Patriots Dolphins this weekend, uh, to to start with a Sunday slate, I don't think you see that as much. I think that's a game where you, you do see a lower scoring game. You do see a new quarterback and a new team and Cam Newton struggling to find his footing. You see Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of meandering along and, uh, neither team really has great offensive weapons, both more reliant on defense. The Dolphins added a lot defensively this year. Yeah, they did. That's a game where I see it a lot closer. The Dolphins are always pesky the last few years against the Patriots, especially last year going up there and winning in week 17 and keeping the Patriots out of the bye week, which screwed them and lost to the Titans. Um, total six and uh, spread six and a half. I take the Dolphins on that. Uh, total is 42. Again, this is a game, like I said, you're going to start to see the unders hitting as far as the week one slate goes. I like the Patriots in a close one, so Patriots outright, Dolphins cover. I like Patriots outright, and I think the Pats cover as well. I mean, the big storyline this one is obviously Cam Newton. What's he going to look like under Belichick? Is he fully healthy? Um, You know, because we've talked about with the Patriots how they still don't have any weapons. That's the issue they have not addressed. Their defense, they've had a bunch of guys who have sit out because of the pandemic. Meanwhile, the Dolphins have gotten better. A lot of people I've seen them have had them as a team maybe sneaking in to get that six or seven seed in the playoffs. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but we'll see what happens. The, the big misnotion, though, about the AFC East, which you're full aware of, is that the Patriots do not go 6-0 and in the division every year, yeah. even when Brady was there. So the games are usually closer when they go on the road, but even still at home, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bills, I mean, they, they play them tough in most of these games. Six and a half, I think a lot of people will be looking at that and see it as a big number, but I do think New England covers that in a, in a low-scoring game. Um, you look at another one of the AFC East games, your Jets and the Bills. The Bills, obviously, I mean, they've gotten a lot of the offseason hype. We've talked about in the AFC, Ravens, Chiefs, who's that number three team? We had Dan Orlovsky on, and he said he thinks the Bills could be that number three team. It all comes down to Josh Allen at the end of the day, uh, how good this team is. I don't necessarily need, think they need him to win this game. Um, the Jets are just so banged up, as you know, Joe. They got so many injuries to their receiving core. Um, but Sam Darnold is healthy. He's starting week one, so the Jets have a chance. Le'Veon Bell's back. He's ready to go. The defense, you lose Jamal Adams. C.J. Mosley isn't there. That, that'll, that'll definitely derail them defensively. But, again, the Bills aren't a great offensive team. We'll see how much Stephon Diggs adds to that offense. But I just think six and a half is too big of a number. People are jumping on the Bills right now. I think over 70% of the money is being bet on them. That number staying pat at six and a half. Again, a divisional game, week one, six and a half, just too many points in the NFL. PJ, six and a half, I think, is, is not moving or where it should be just because the forecast is for, like, really bad weather. That's fine. Um, if, the conditions, <laughs> if the conditions were fine, this number should probably be about four points higher. Uh, the Jets have absolutely no chance this weekend. Uh, they – have just gotten Mims and Perriman back as their top two receivers. They had no practice time with, uh, with Sam Darnold. The defense is a train wreck. The offense outside of Sam Darnold has a lot of growing to do. It's a fully new offensive line that's going to need time to jail. This team could be sneakier in the midweeks. It's not happening in week one. 
Uh, give me the Bills outright. Give me the Bills with the six and a half. Uh, I don't see any. Okay. I like the Jets to outlook. cover, I but I do like the Bills out. No positive outlook for my Jets this weekend. But your Ravens, they get a home game against the Browns. Seven and a half spread, 48 and a half total. Uh, you guys have seemed to struggle with the Browns the last couple of years. You Always can't stop. Do. You can't stop Nick Chubb. I go with the Ravens outright. I'm taking the Browns plus the seven and a half, though. Uh, I don't know what to expect out of this game. You guys, it's it's always a mixed bag when you guys play the Browns. It always is. Before they went on that 14-game, 12-game winning streak, the Browns were the last team that they lost to, and it was at home. You mentioned Nick Chubb. They couldn't stop him. And, you know, the Browns are kind of like the Phillies and how we talked about them in baseball and in football. They got all that offseason hype last year. Nobody's really talking about them this year. They got a lot of that team back. Obviously, they have a new head coach. But if Kevin Stefanski does what he did in Minnesota and brings that to Cleveland, expect a lot of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, too. He's got two legit backs in that backfield. They add Jedrick Willis to that offensive line, who was great at Bama. So the Browns, I think they keep this one close. Seven and a half is too many points. Um, I do think the Ravens win, but this could be a three- or four-point game. It's, it's always close when the Browns play them in Baltimore. Um, Seattle and Atlanta, I think a lot of people expect this one to be high-scoring. We're going to get that, uh, that test early on, Joe, the COVID and how it, it works as Seattle travels cross-country to yeah. Atlanta. One-and-a-half-point favorite, Seattle traveling to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Who are you liking this one? I got Atlanta outright, so obviously I've got them plus the one-and-a-half. Uh, I think the Seahawks have done pretty well, actually, as far as West Coast teams go, traveling east over the last few years. But I think this Falcons team is a dark horse. We talked about it in our preview last week. They've got a really strong offense that they added Todd Gurley to as long as he's healthy. They added Hayden Hurst to it. They still have Julio and Ridley, your two Bama boys. Um, the defense is the question mark, which is why we say this game is going to be a shootout. But the Seahawks defense is also a massive question mark. They, yes, they added Jamal Adams, but they were a bit of a question last year. They lost Clowney. They've, they've got some issues to kind of work out on that defense. And again, it might take time. I think it's, it's a weird sort of ordeal as far as when it comes to betting overs or unders and, and projecting how the points are going to go, because I think the defenses are at a great disadvantage more so than the offense, as far as no camp, no preseason, because defense is it's tough, especially in this, in today's NFL, you're reacting to what the offense does. You have all the penalties that go against you. You're already at a disadvantage. So yes, offenses are going to be rusty, but the offenses that are going to be rusty and maybe you do favor the defense are the offenses that have a new coordinator, have a new head coach, have a new quarterback. Falcons just added Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst, and it's still the same core of Matt Ryan, Julio, and Calvin Ridley. So they're not an offense that I see having an issue. The Seahawks are not an offense that I see having an issue. They are the same. Uh, so you've got two same offenses against two defenses that need to figure themselves out. High-scoring game, over the 49 total in this game. Shootout, Falcons take it. I got them plus 115 on the money line. This is an interesting game because Dan Quinn used to be the defensive coordinator at Seattle. And, you know, anytime a head coach of a current team goes up against his former team, he always wants to beat them. There's a reason this game is one and a half. I mean, it's a pick them. Seattle, though, is just such a good road team. And Russell Wilson, I mean, he's, just, he's tough to beat. He's got good weapons, too. They get Greg Olson to come out of retirement a little bit to play tight end for Seattle. He's got Metcalf. He's got Lockett. 
They add Philip Dorsett. Chris Carson's still running the rock. And the defense, they add Jamal Adams to go along with Bobby Wagner. They do lose Jadavian Clowney, and that D-line already wasn't great. So if they can't get pressure on Matt Ryan, it could be a long day, as you mentioned, all the weapons he has. I do think this is a high-scoring game. Seattle, though, was 7-1 and one on the road last year. I think that continues, and I think they cover the spread and win it outright. A couple of NFC North games. We got Bears-Lions. We got Packers-Vikings. Well, here, let's do, let's do Packers-Vikings first. Okay, maybe some interesting spreads uh, for these two games. Vikings, usually home teams get three-point advantages. And so this is pretty much – I think uh, you throw that out, though, this year. It's tough when you're looking at it. I don't think I, that three. I don't think that three and a half point advantage is a thing this year, especially no? where there's no fans. I think you're. I think you're going to see odds makers with a, a totally neutral site type of approach to these games. There's no, you know, that three point advantage comes into play with with the crowd and, and everything and the hostile environment. The skull chant. It's been great up there in Minnesota at the new stadium. The fans have been phenomenal. But uh, I looked at this maybe. I mean, you thought about it differently that you looked at it and said, well, if they've got the Packers as maybe a one point favorite on a neutral site or, or more so if it was in Lambeau, I looked at it and said, I think they're already baking it in as a neutral site with no fans and the Vikings are rightfully two and a half point favorites. That's what I kind of looked at it. I know. I think if this was a fully packed game, Minnesota would, this would be the line still. I think two and a half is fair. I think, I think they'd be about five and a half if it was a fully packed game. I think the Vikings are that really? much better than the Packers. I think the Vikings are that much better than the Packers. And we'll get to it in our best bets of the week segment. You'll have this game popping up. Um, okay. Later. But I do, I do like the Vikings, though. Two and a half at yeah. home. You picked them to win the North. I still think the Packers will. But I like the Vikings to get in as a wild card team. They still got Dalvin Cook. Um, it's a regular season one o'clock game. So you think Kirk Cousins would play pretty well. Justin Jefferson, you mentioned he's not Stephon Diggs, but he's pretty damn good to go along yeah. with Thielen, and their defense is rock solid. Daniil Hunter, it hurts not having him, but – They got Yannick anyway, so they still they got, got a pass right. rush. They got Yannick Harris. They'll be all right. They, they, they be should all right. be okay. Now, to, to the other three games in the 1 o'clock window, that's why I wanted to hold off on the Bears-Lions. There's three games in the 1 o'clock window that, with all the other games going on, I might see – when they come up on my red zone channel. And that's about it. Uh, I have really no vested interest in any of these three games. Um, like I said, they pop up on red zone. That's about it. Raiders, Panthers, Bears, Lions, and then Colts, Jags. Those three games. Um, I don't think there's much intrigue at all for me. Uh, sure. We'll see how bad Trubisky is in the Bears game. Uh, sure. We'll get our first look at a Matt rule Panthers team. Uh, the Raiders are the Raiders. We know what they are from last year with with Gruden. I'm more interested in their first home game to see what that's like. Uh, then as far as the, the Colts-Jags, that one's not really going to – we've got our first game against a team that's tanking. Uh, I, I do want to see Rivers and the Colts, but you can't yeah. really get a gauge on them against a team as bad as the Jaguars. So those are the three games I don't really have much interest in at the 1 o'clock time slot. I've got the Colts outright. I've got the Jaguars plus eight on a back door with garbage time. I've got the Lions outright and a push on the three is what I think we'll see. Uh, but I will go, I will go Lions, and I, I guess I'll take them minus the three just because 
if I'm thinking a push with the three, I think it's going to be a close game. I might as well just take the favorite. And then lastly, the other one, uh, Raiders at the Panthers. It's I, I have a hard time picking the Panthers. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. That game's kind of a crapshoot to yeah. me. I'll go with the Raiders. But, again, that, those, those three games I will see on the Red Zone channel. I will see the final score. Um, I'm not really going to pay much attention to those three. I think you could throw Washington and Philly in there too. Honestly. See, I wanted to save that one just because, I, I like, with Haskins, with their D-line, with Rivera, last year how, the, how Washington gave the Eagles a run in the first half when they played each other in the open or division rivalry game. I wanted to save that one because, like, I, I'm kind of intrigued by it, more so than those other three games at least. Uh, but you could probably throw it in there. I, the thing that interested me there is the spread has moved from seven and a half down to five and a half for the Eagles. So yes. there's a lot of interest in there that. There is. Uh, but I'm just so. glad Lions Bears isn't the noon Thanksgiving game. Like, please stop. Oh, God. Lions yeah. Bears Thanksgiving. I'm with Horrible. you. I like Detroit. That could either be a push or a Detroit by four, but I do think they win. Um, yeah, Vegas, Vegas and Carolina is a tough one. I think I'll go with Vegas two, minus three. Week one, you and again, this is such a weird year, but yeah. usually what I've been seeing is that favorites a little bit kind of win in, in week one when it's smaller spreads, so I'm rolling with Vegas. And then Colts-Jags, I definitely like the Colts outright. I'm actually going the other way. I think there's a late uh, Colts score to give them the cover and win outright and cover the spread. And then, yeah, Washington and Philly, as you were mentioning, it has come down. This is always an interesting game, too. Washington always plays their divisional opponents tough at home. Six is a big number. Um, man. You know, I think I want to go with Washington to cover. I do think the Eagles win by a field goal, maybe four points. But I do think, I do think uh, Washington covers this one. I've got the Eagles outright and, and the Eagles covering. I've got it at five and a half. Um, I'm not sitting here saying that Washington's going to get blown out. I think they're, like I said, I think with the defensive line, and I think there's some solid pieces, but I think they lose by a touchdown. So Okay. Uh, All right. Six games left on the schedule, three, four o'clock games for Sunday, including the Chargers. and number Don't one. care about this. I want to see Burrow. I had those three that I was throwing out for the, from the one o'clock window. Uh, and, and this is the game that from the 4 o'clock window, with all the other things going on at the 4 o'clock window, Cardinals-Niners should be great. Buck saints is the game of the week. I will not pay any attention to Chargers-Bengals. I will see Joe Burrow next week. Uh, give me the Bengals as an outright upset. Uh, but, I mean, the Chargers are such an unsexy, mediocre team this year. The Bengals are going to be a bad team. They just happen to have Burrow, and that'll be fun. But... With, with Cardinals, Niners, and Bucks, Saints, uh, it's an all-NFC 4 o'clock window. I, I like the Bengals as well, uh, money line. I'm, I'm interested to see the Bengals because I want to see what Joe Burrow looks like. This may be the only time all year we get to see A.J. Green because you just never know when he's going to get AJ, hurt. A.J., you got Brady Breeze. You got Brady Breeze. I understand Breeze, that, but that got... game will go to a commercial. Plus, <laughs> it's Plus, it starts 20 minutes after the Chargers-Bengals game. All so right, I'll give, you, watch, I'll give you 20 minutes. You watch your burrow drive, and then you turn it over. But the aforementioned Saints-Bucks game, Joe, I'm actually going with the Bucks outright in this game. The Saints always struggle to start the season. For whatever they reason, they just always do. And a lot of it usually is at home. They drop a home game. And, I, 
you know, I've told you how worrisome I am with the Bucks this year just because of all the offseason hype they've gotten. But I was listening to Peter King the other day, and I thought he great, brought up a great point. He said the Bucks turned the ball over 41 times last season, and the last team to do that was the Owens 16 Browns. Mm-hmm. So they were a 7-9 and nine team, could have been 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. You would have to think a Tom Brady-led offense isn't turning the ball over 41 times. Their schedule is, is tough because of their division. They get the AFC West crossover, which could be some challenging games. But I, I do – I like them in week one. I think all the buildup to this game, Brady, Breeze, only three and a half. The line has been dropping. It's come down from five and a half to three and a half. And because of the Saints' struggles early on in the year, in the past at home, I'm going with the Bucks. And I think this is another prime example of – I think oddsmakers are already looking at it as neutral site this game would not be three and a half only I don't think if the Saints had a full crowd I think it'd probably be five and a half um I like the Saints I I understand week one that they've had their struggles but I'm looking at like I said before I'm looking at teams that have new quarterbacks new coordinators uh new offenses to to struggle week one the Bucks will get it they'll probably win 10 11 games but Week one on the road, probably going to be a shootout. And I think if this game does become the shootout that we think it'll be, I'm going with the Saints offense and that continuity over Brady's first time in that offense. It's looking like Mike Evans isn't going to play. Uh, so there's a whole multitude of things there. Fournette just starting out. Uh, Byron Leftwich and Brady, how do they work? Arians and Brady, how do they work? So there's a lot of new things that I want to see first before I trust the Bucs. I wouldn't be the least surprised if they come out and win this game. Uh, but until I see them, I'm not going to ride with them yet. And, and I'm going to go with the Saints. And I'm going to take them with the three and a half as well. So I go okay. with the Saints there. The other NFC game, we mentioned the Cardinals and the Niners. Uh, I still got it at seven and a half. I like the Cardinals at that number to cover. I like the Niners to win. The Cardinals played against the Niners really well last year, adding DeAndre Hopkins in the mix. I think that passing attack is going to be very, very good. I saw a stat that was kind of quirky, and I didn't, you didn't realize it because we perceive the Niners to be this tremendous ground-and-pound team with great defense that made the Super Bowl. Uh, but from week 13 onward last year, week 13 onward, they allowed the most fantasy points to opposing uh, quarterbacks and opposing passing offenses. So uh, their passing attack, uh, their passing defense struggled. Uh-huh. Richard Sherman, as we saw in the Super Bowl, as we saw throughout the year, he can't handle speed. Uh, he's still a damn good corner when it comes to press, defending a flag, defending sure. a slant. Someone just turns and runs on him. He's not catching up. Uh, so look for Kyler and, and DeAndre Hopkins to maybe connect for a few bombs down that side. And I like the Cardinals to keep it close, but the Niners to win in a game that should be a lot of fun, more fun than people probably – are thinking looking at the seven-point spread. I think the Cardinals are going to be a fun team. Uh, You know, I like San Francisco in this game to win outright and to cover. In week one, I'm looking at teams that play good defense and run the football because at the end of the day, with no preseason, maybe the passing isn't all there with the timing. Um, I think you got to lean on that. The Cardinals, I think, are one of the teams that benefits – the least from no preseason games just because of Kingsbury's offense and the high octane up-tempo shotgun passing nature that it is you add Hopkins into the mix not to say they won't be a great offense maybe in week three four or five 
But right now, off the bat, to face the Niners, to go up against D Ford and Nick Bosa and that D-line and those linebackers, it's going to be a tough task. Seven and a half is a big number, but again, I think they found something in Mostert last year in the playoffs, and they're going to roll right through him. Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy, too. I think we talk so much about Dak and what he needs to prove this year. Jimmy G as well, because they really took the ball out of his hands in the Super Bowl when he could have iced that game, and they let that get away from him. So I think they have something to prove, a divisional opponent, and let the Cardinals and the rest of the West know that they're still the team to beat in that division. Joe, three games left in week one. We're getting into the primetime slate. As always, it seems like the rite of passage, the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football to start the season. They go up against the Los Angeles Rams in their brand-new stadium. What do you like in this one, Dallas, favored by three? This was tough. Uh the Cowboys have the hype train, and I'm on it. Um, the Rams are looking to rebound from last year, opening up a new stadium, kind of. Um, it's going to be weird seeing that new stadium open with no fans. I think of all the games around the league, that one might be the weirdest to look at. It's your first Sunday night prime time, opening up the new stadium, and it's going to be the first ever new stadium that opens with zero fanfare. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be weird. But uh, – this is the game that I've wavered back and forth on without the benefit of the preseason. I, I don't know that the Cowboys start strong with McCarthy, but at the same token, they still have Kellen Moore calling the plays. So I guess maybe this is where we'll see is McCarthy really going to take that back seat and it's more, or is it going to be McCarthy kind of doing what he do with green Bay where, he says he's taking a backseat, but it's really him. Um, if it's really McCarthy, then you might see some issues between him and Dak just right out the gates. Not, not, not any issues like, like McCarthy had with Roger. I just mean like little technical glitches, if you will, uh, where they'll have some tough times getting the plays in or whatnot. Uh, but if it's Kellen Moore, they have that full familiarity. You don't see that issue. The Rams, on the other hand, I mean, McVay's probably about as well-prepared a coach as you can get. I love everything that they did on Hard Knocks. Yeah. I think they're going to be ready. Um, I've really wavered back and forth on this game. With almost zero confidence, I'll take the Cowboys and the three points. It should be a fun one, but um, this is probably my least confident game of the entire week. And I'm going Rams plus three. Again, to me, that this is a toss-up. You could really go either way. Each of the three times that Dak and Goff have gotten together, they've scored over 52 points. The total's at 51 and a half. So you would expect a high-scoring game, but again, week one with a new coach in Dallas, as you mentioned, you just you don't know. I do think it helps the Rams that Jalen Ramsey just got paid. So now you can yeah. put all that talk to the side, and he'll be ready to go, him and Aaron Donald. I mean, the Rams match up well with the Cowboys on defense because – You got Zeke in the backfield. You got Dak Prescott. You got Aaron Donald running up the middle. And then you have Jalen Ramsey who can take Amari away or Gallup or at least one of their receivers. So I like like the Rams at home, but this will be be a close one. This will be a coin flip for sure. Uh, Monday night, the two games, Steelers-Giants, Titans. They didn't really do us many favors on Monday night to start this season. (laughs) They they did not, no. Um, The Steelers started out as – three and a half it's all the way up to six and a half now yeah I think that's about right I I go with the Steelers outright and with the points the Giants don't have a defense um and the Steelers their strength is their defense 
but their offense is going to be much improved this year with Big Ben back. Um, this, this to me, kind of has, you know, Steelers 31-13 opening Monday night clunker mm. written all over it. Yeah. The Steelers are always a good Monday night team on the road. They just always are. They beat the Bucks a couple of years ago when they got off to that 2-0 start. And when we talked to Pete Haley about a trivia question that we will preview in a little bit, uh, they took care of business against the, of the Washington football team on Monday night. So they're a good Monday night team on the road. I think they win and cover as well. But, Joe, I think one of the best games of the week and – uh, on Monday night will be the Titans and the Broncos. Tennessee right now is favored by one and a half. You've talked about how much you like the Broncos. I've talked about how much I like the Titans. Who are you rolling with? So the Broncos demolished the Titans at home last year. Um, Fangio figured out how to stop Derrick Henry in a way that most people didn't. I think that the Broncos are – a team that is going to be a little bit emotionally reeling, though, from the Von Miller injury, that was a big blow for them, not just on the field, but in the locker room and just psychologically like, ah, we had these high hopes this year to be that sleeper dark horse team, and now Von Miller's gone. So I think that weighs on them. I really do like the Broncos and their offense, though, but again, it's going to take time to mesh. The Titans, with their ground game, with their defense, adding Devian Clowney, I think they come in and eke out a close one on the road. But again, not much confidence in this one at all. Oh, we, we'll have our best bets uh, football segment that we do later on in the show. And I'm just going to let you know that this is one of them on there. Really That's high. bold. <laughs> really high on the Broncos this weekend. I wow, mean, okay. re- really high. I, Mile High is a tough place to play in prime time on the road. I know there won't be any fans, but you still got the altitude to deal with, and it's a tough place to play. I just, again, when teams are getting a lot of hype in the offseason, I just like picking against them in week one. The Titans But the Broncos are getting that hype. The Broncos are the team that's getting that hype. Not like the Titans. They just got you David Clowney. You've had Derrick Henry. Who's been talking about the Broncos? Everybody. It's been all over the place on on NFL Live. and It's uh, all the talk about Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Jerry oh, Judy, the offense, the offense, heard. the offense. You you watch some different channels, I guess. There's been a <laughs> lot of talk I, about the Broncos. And I'm going to keep watching those channels. <laughs> I, I haven't heard many people mention. There has that. been a lot of hype about the Titans. I mean, of course, after there has. last year, but there has been hype about the Broncos as well. So it's it's close to to make it one of your best bets. As we'll see oh, later. My favorite. That's bold, but they, I mean, the Broncos did shut out the Titans last year. 16 to nothing, and, and That Henry was with Mariota, though. Wasn't with it was not It was. I just double-checked. Henry had only 15 carries for 28 yards in that game. So I, I do think there's some sort of revenge, get that bad taste out of their mouth, and it's going to be tough. Bradley Chubb is just coming back from the torn ACL, and Von Miller's gone. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of things. Again, the Broncos will be fine. They will be good. They will be a dark horse playoff team, uh, but it's going to take Locke some time, I think, to get on, on the same page as Judy and Hamler and and start to kind of really move that ship in the right direction. Well, we'll see what happens. I like, I like Denver. Um, all right, well, that was our preview of week one. Again, we're recording this Thursday morning, so we do have football tonight. It's just absolutely beautiful. Can't wait for that. We got our good friend Pete Haley, Washington football team insider, talking with us next. We preview the uh, NFL season with him, talk about the Washington football team. Coming up next, great interview. 
Pleased to be joined this week by Washington football team insider for NBC Sports Washington, our good friend Pete Haley. Pete, how's everything going, buddy? Good, guys. Uh, I was looking at your guest list. I was going through your Twitter account, and I saw, like, Steve Sands, a legendary Orioles broadcaster, Greenberg from ESPN. And I was like, well, they, they must be getting to the bottom of their list here if they're calling me for episode 15. Like, I don't know how many more are left, but uh, I hope this, hope this works out well for you and the listeners enjoyed it. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, that's, you know what? You might be right. This might be the last one if, if you're crashing the neighborhood here. The last of Joe had a good 15-episode run. Yeah, yeah, it's last of Joe at the side of Pete, and that's really all anyone ever wanted. And then this will be it from here, and you guys will have to find your next project. But we'll, we'll go down together at least. Pete, has the Redskins now fully officially gone out of your brain? Like, do you ever still trip up saying it, or are you full-on Washington football team now? I'm able to not say that word when I'm recording podcast shows, when I'm writing. Gotcha. When somebody asks me, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm going to say I'm going to blank skins practice when they say, have you drafted any people on your fantasy team? I say, yeah, I got two giants, three chargers and a red skin. Like it's that the casual stuff is when it slips out and it's probably going to be that way for a long, long time, just because it's not necessarily I'm like rebelling. It's just easier to say than Washington football team. So there's a line where I can say it in some respects. I should probably stop altogether, but I still say it to like friends, family, and like JP Finley, for example, and we're just BSing. But Washington football team slowly becoming more and more, not normal, but at least something I turn to more often. I totally feel that. I've been trying to get rid of it entirely as well, and I think it'll be easier when they actually settle on a new name yeah. and mascot. One of my favorite things that I've seen so far, and uh, I mean, I don't know what else they can do, but... If you go on the NFL's website and you click like the week one schedule, it lists all the opponents and the games by their nickname, not by their city. So like for this week's, it just says Eagles at football team. And it's so generic. It's like Animal <laughs> House when he's got this shirt that just says college on it. It's yeah. just football team. So they yeah. got to move fast on a new name. Uh, but it's been a news filled, busy offseason for the Washington football team, uh, to say the least. And being around the team, what can you say about the tangible changes that you could already sense from Ron Rivera as compared to past coaches that you've seen when you covered the team? Yeah, Ron, from the like news side, the social justice side, the Washington Post fallout side, like in terms of handling that stuff has been beyond spectacular. And I can't imagine past leaders from this franchise dealing with those press conferences, holding those talks with their teams. Like he's just so in control and such a leader in that way. So I think that is probably the biggest thing. He's just someone I think every fan should be thrilled that he is in charge of this franchise. And then football-wise, I mean, we just finished up training camp, and for two and a half weeks, every day, it felt like there was a hit or two where we would look at a reporter to our left or our right and say, is this August or is this October week eight <laughs> against the Steelers? Like, they are just smacking each other. And everybody likes to say, yeah, this camp is so physical. This coach is really laying down the law. But with Ron, like, I think it's a real attitude thing where he is – instilling this new approach of just every play you need to play fast. I mean, every single, not every single, 85% of the snaps, Dwayne Haskins will say white 80, white 80 set hut. And then immediately after you'll hear Ron Rivera yell, play fast. He's just obsessed with playing fast and hitting people and finishing plays. So he's had an impact all over the place. I hope that people above him and the people around him can take care of the business side and the name side and making the culture better so he can just hone in on football because I think he can have a huge impact there. But overall, 
I'm just amazed by what Ron Rivera has done. He's a he's an absolute home run for this franchise. No Panthers fans maybe are a little lukewarm on what he did for a decade, but I think right here, right now, perfect guy for Washington. And to piggyback on that, you mentioned all the things that he's come in and done an incredible job with right away, and then all of a sudden he's diagnosed with cancer. How hard did that hit everybody when that diagnosis broke? I mean, that was like – I mean, every time something happened with this squad, we were like – how is that the next thing? I mean, Darius Geis, domestic violence allegations, one post story and then another post story, just all this stuff. But when the cancer thing hit, you're like, no, this, this like cannot be real. Like an NFL head coach getting cancer after all he's dealt with, like that's a whole nother level. So I think it, it's going to be tough. I mean, we've now been at two regular season practices, Tuesday and Wednesday before week one. He wasn't there Tuesday and Wednesday when the media was allowed to be there, he wasn't there. He, he showed up after, but like, I don't know much about chemotherapy and I don't know a lot about coaching an NFL team, but I know both of those are incredibly intensive tasks and to do them both at the same time, it seems damn near impossible. So I think that's going to be something he clearly has to battle and balance all season long. There might be times where he's not able to coach a game or something and they have a plan in place for that. But the cancer diagnosis, I mean, it like made me feel ill just because I've gotten so much respect for him in a few short months. So I just hope he's okay. And it, He's got a good family and a support system, but that's uh, that matters way more than any other stuff he's had to talk about, clearly. No question. And you talked about Geis. I want to talk about the running backs with you a little bit because AP, that news, when he got released, I think was a pretty big shock to most people. They came out yesterday with the depth chart. It said J.D. McKissick was the starter. People thought Gibson would be the number one guy. You got Bryce Love in the rotation. So from what you've seen in practice, just kind of your gut feeling heading into the Eagles game and throughout the season, what do you think the running back rotation is going to look like? Um, it's going to be all of them. Like the depth chart, Ron said, it, it doesn't matter. I was forced to do that, basically. And J.D. McKissick, <laughs> we like told him on Zoom yesterday, like, hey, man, you're the number one running back. And he's like, that's news to me. I had no idea. So don't read anything into that. I think it's going to be a lot of Antonio Gibson. Uh, he's going to catch a ton of passes. I think he might catch the second most passes behind Terry McLaurin this year. JP Finley and I have a bet. Will that be McKissick or Gibson? I took Gibson. It's going to be like a $10 bet. It's going to mean nothing, but we're going to really <laughs> care about it all season long regardless. Um, yeah, I, I think Bryce Love can turn it on maybe in the second half as he keeps getting used to his knee recovery. Um, he'll build back Peyton Barber. I'm not exactly sold on him, but Ron seems to like him, even though he seems relatively average. So all four of the dudes will be involved. But uh, Antonio Gibson, I'm 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 drinking the Antonio Gibson Kool Aid. I've got him on a fantasy team, so yeah, I'm, I'm like, with you. <laughs> I'm I'm all in. But uh, they they don't have Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but they have a a hole to fill on that offense for McCaffrey's production, and they're going to use all those guys to try and do so. Now, Alex Smith worked his way back, which was incredible, especially to anybody who saw the ESPN special. I can't get the images of his leg or what was left of it out of my brain after I've watched that special twice. And it's mm -hmm. remarkable that he's gotten to where he is. Uh, do I think he should ever take another snap? No. Does that mean he won't? No. And therein lies my question to you. Under any circumstance, do you see him uh, getting any playing time this year, whether it's backup, starter, or whatever? Uh, starting seems like a long shot and it's so stupid to sit here and stare into my camera and say anything with Alex's long shot after yeah. all the crap he's dealt with. Yeah. So like shame on me for even thinking that, but I just don't like, I'm in the camp of Dwayne should get every single snap of this entire season, unless he is complete garbage. Even if he's semi garbage, let him work through that. Um, 
but I could definitely see Alex. I don't know if it'd be mop up duty or a ceremonial thing or they're four I think a ceremonial ten. thing is guaranteed at some point, you know, even yeah, if I would think kneel so. down when the, when the Washington football team plays and beats the Panthers later on in the year in Rivera's revenge game, like he will at least take a kneel down somewhere. Yeah. I think kneel down is safe. And I think, uh, I don't know if they'll ever blow anybody out, but if they are, maybe instead of going to Kyle Allen for the fourth quarter, they'll let Smith play. Mm. Um, again, I'm like you, I don't know if he necessarily should, but I'm a nervous person who gets scared to do a lot of very basic things. And he's a courageous NFL athlete. So I do expect to see him on the field at some point. I just don't know if there'll be, really significant like it's seven to seven in the second quarter and he's there for a reason I just think it'll be more to let him check that box could you imagine if he scores a touchdown I mean Incredible. that would be, be awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll weep everybody will oh everybody will um Pete the protocols you've been at training camp I'm sure you had kind of an idea of maybe what it would look like but now that you've gotten it to see it firsthand what's it been like it hasn't been that weird honestly I mean we walk in, get our temperature scanned, wear a mask, stand kind of far apart from people. And then you walk out and you wash your hands and it's fine. And then we were at the stadium for a scrimmage. And I mean, we got to park way closer than we normally do, which I was fired <laughs> up about. Um, we got to walk right up to the press box instead of through crowds and all that stuff. Uh, so like for our job, the access is obviously different. And I think to fans on the outside, it may not seem that uh, adjusted because you'll still get game stories. You'll still get quotes from players, but you're going to miss the little details of us being in the locker room and seeing the guy at his, at a stall, uh, you know, super angry after a loss, or you'll miss seeing the interaction between a coach and a player in the hallway just because we won't be there. So for right. my end, I think the quality will fall off a tiny bit, but for most of the fans, I don't think these protocols will take away from their experience at all. And it's not, too, too different actually going to the events either. Hey, your quality never falls off. Don't say that about yourself. <laughs> uh, I, I, hope, I hope some boss is listening to this and agrees with you. I, I like to think that I bring mostly quality, but like today I wrote a story about a, not a second string linebacker, but a fringe starting linebacker who had just finished up Breaking Bad and I thought it was incredibly interesting. And I tweeted out and two minutes later, somebody responds, slow news day, huh? And I was like, honestly, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people were pissed to see that story on their timeline. Like the season's starting and you're writing about Kevin Pierre Lewis's reaction to Breaking Bad. Like what the hell is wrong with you? So maybe that's bad quality, but I don't know. I think it's interesting to myself. All right. Well, last question before we get into the two rapid fire segments we like to do. Well, one rapid fire segment that we've done with all our guests but like we did with Chris Miller when he was on, we'll do with you. We kind of make it into two. PJ will have more on that in a moment. Uh, now, we've already <laughs> talked about a couple of guys, but uh -huh. who's your biggest fantasy sleeper outside of McLaurin or Gibson who you might recommend uh, taking a late flyer on? Um, so I'll go even deeper than that. I don't know if this person should be drafted at all, but I think I could see him emerging in a couple weeks. That's going to be Logan Thomas at tight end. Tight end is always a spot where – Come week five, week six, most of us are just desperate. We are starving for a guy who will get us three catches for 35 yards. <laughs> and like Logan Thomas, I think we'll be able to do that because their group is so weak. And also at camp, he was catching a lot of touchdowns in the red zone from Dwayne Haskins. They have a definitely some sort of chemistry there. Thomas is a former quarterback from Virginia Tech, played that, and then trans transitioned to tight end in the NFL. Uh, him and Haskins definitely have some sort of connection. They have some sort of understanding. And Logan being an ex-quarterback, I think, helps him find the soft spots and read coverage and all that. So 
I think he can be someone who maybe doesn't have more than 40 catches this year, but he could catch six or seven touchdowns. And if you get lucky playing him in the couple of weeks that he catches those touchdowns, I think you'll be happy. So that's a super deep cut. And there's a chance that that is just the most embarrassing thing I've ever said, because maybe he will do nothing. But I like Logan Thomas as like a waiver wire tight end when the, uh, the season really gets rolling. I love that because really in fantasy this year, there was like Kelsey, Andrews, like and Kittle. There's like, you know, three or yeah. four guys. So if Tom scores a couple, that'll help a lot of people yeah, out. You throw, you throw Ertz in do. there, you throw Waller in there. But after that fifth one, I mean, there's like a hard drop off where anybody you get like after that or at the end of the draft, there's really not much of a difference yeah. between. So how many, how many leagues are you guys in? Oh God, too many, Three. too many Pete. How many, in, Joe? I, I ended up in five. <laughs> I ended up in five. <laughs> to me, it's like with brackets, like you can only do, I, my limit is two because beyond that you have like, like you said, Darren Waller in one league, but then you're playing him in two other leagues. Yeah. So it just hurts you and helps you at the same time. So <laughs> it like, gets to the that's point. too much, dude. It get like there's there's two main leagues that I actively watch and root for. The other three, I draft well, I follow the waiver wire, I make trades, but I set my lineup and I don't really check the score until Sunday night. Like there are two main leagues for monetary purposes and for bragging rights purposes. Yeah. And I'm tuned into rooting for, like you, like you said, you know, two that you can root for. The other three, like I said, set it, forget it, hope I win on Tuesday nice. morning and and that's it. But I I I couldn't say no to it. It's two high school friend group ones. It's, it's my dad's like league with all his friends. I just started my new job and they offered me and so I couldn't say no. And, and there yeah. was one more than there. So I, you I definitely don't want to be the new kid who like turns down the fantasy, fantasy league, right? no, because then you become the weirdo who doesn't get invited to anything. So good call exactly. to at least join that. Exactly. And being in five leagues, hopefully you get in a championship game. I'm going to win so. somewhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you would hope. <laughs> you would hope. <laughs> Um, Pete, as Joe was saying, so when we had Chris Miller on to preview the NBA season, we gave him seven questions in the Eastern Conference, seven questions in the West. So mm. for football with you, we're going to give you seven questions in the NFC, seven okay. in the AFC, all right? Let's do so, it. Let's Rapid do fire. it. Rapid fire. Don't think too hard. Right. Okay, so I'll give hard. you, I'll give you the NFC. You. Joe will give you the AFC. Pete right. Haley, your first question for the National Football <laughs> Conference. I'm like Ooh. getting weirdly nervous, by the way. I don't know why that's <laughs> happening, but I'm nervous. Who is the team to beat heading into the season, the NFC? Um, the New Orleans – I just botched that name. The <laughs> New Orleans Saints. Uh, I know they won't have much of a home field advantage this year, as nobody will, but I just think they're loaded with talent. That program is always good, and I think it might be Drew Brees' last kind of ride, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. I don't know if that was quick enough, but that's my pick. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, number two, QB with the most to prove in the NFC this year. Um – this is just me being so honed into the team I cover, but Dwayne Haskins, it's, it's 2020. We'll determine whether he gets 2021 and beyond or gets moved on to another franchise and maybe never gets to start again. So Dwayne Haskins, ton to prove. Which team with their first year coach are you most intrigued by? You have the Washington football team. You have the Giants with Joe Judge, Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, Panthers, Matt Roll. Cowboys are second, but Joe Judge to me is endlessly intriguing. I mm. cannot wait to see whether his weird tactics work. I think they're going to absolutely blow up, but maybe the players like him more than I'm expecting them to. Yeah, that was that was an interesting hire. The, the tennis balls guy. tied or ta- taped to the hands. That was in that was a smart one. Like it was interesting, but it was smart. Now the but, taking off the red jersey of Daniel Jones that was flat out stupid. 
Right. I saw a video of him doing like a wet ball fumble drill where they all got super hyped when he did it. And that made me think, all right, maybe they're buying into him. But all the other stuff just seems so childish. And I don't think an NFL player wants to run a lap when they F up. Like that's, they're not middle school anymore. They don't, it's not, Chip Kelly tried to make them drink smoothies when they didn't want to. The same thing I think is going to happen in New York where they just get tired of it, especially when they start like two and six. Mm. Which team in the NFC do you think will have the best offense? Um... I say the Bucks. They just seem to have the two studiest stud receivers ever. Gronk coming back fresh. A couple of running backs they can lean on, and then the greatest quarterback ever. Seems like a pretty good offense. Man. That that does. Pound for pound, who do you think is the best player in the NFC? Aaron Donald, Mike Thomas, McCaffrey, or Russell Wilson? Oh, pound for pound, Aaron Donald's the biggest when it comes to pounds, and he's quite <laughs> yeah. good. But I'll say, I love Russell Wilson. They put so much on his shoulders, and he seems to always come through. They yeah. seem to never really have a real offense. It's just give him the ball, let him run around, and find somebody open. Let so I'm going to say Russell Wilson. Yeah. Russ, Incredible player. He's a stud. Um, Pete, almost every year in the NFL, there's a team that finishes last in their division and then the following year wins it. So which team do you think in the NFC has the best chance of doing that? Is it the Cardinals in the West, the Panthers in the South, Lions in the North, or Washington in the East? Gonna go with the Lions. Uh, Washington will get there in a couple of years. Panthers way too hard of a division, and same with the Cardinals. Um, Detroit. Matt Stafford was playing super well last season before he got hurt. They have some other good pieces there, and I don't know the Packers. Aaron Rodgers. What the hell is going on? He seems to hate that program. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Cousins don't really believe much in him, and then the Bears. They have Mitch Trubisky. I don't need to say anything else. So I like the Lions to go worse at first in the North. I like that pick. And then last question, number seven. Who's your pick to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl? Uh, the Saints. I put um, DraftKings was doing a special where they had plus 5,500 on a $1 bet for any team to win the Super Bowl. And I chose the Saints because I think they're really damn good. So I'm going to pick the Saints to come out of the National Football Conference. Beautiful. It's not a bad bet. All right. Now we go to the AFC. First up, uh, who is the third best team behind the Chiefs and Ravens? And Chiefs, Ravens, you could flip-flop them. But third best behind those two. Um, let me think here. This is kind of embarrassing, but this sometimes helps where I go to NFL.com and I can just see the logos of all the teams. So I'm going to pull that up right now. I get that. Uh, I totally so get like, that. I know the Titans are in the mix, but for some reason, Ryan Tannehill just doesn't really strike a chord with me. I hope me. Danny Golden's not listening to this. Yeah, I kind of think he does. Danny says he likes my content, so maybe he'll show up. Actually, you know what? Big Ben makes me nervous coming back, and the AFC West is just going to be the Chiefs to me. I'll go with the Titans. Sorry, ignore everything I just said when it came to Ryan Tannehill not impressing me so much. They just signed Clowney. That's going to help the defense. That was an area they need to shore up. And Derrick Henry, of course, just gets stronger as the year goes by. So don't love the pick. I think it's a clear separation, but Titans is the number three. Not bad, not bad. Uh, best running back in the AFC, Derrick Henry, who you mentioned, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, or someone who we're totally forgetting. I'll go with Derrick Henry. Uh, Josh Jacobs, maybe in a year or so. But Derrick Henry is like in the two to three year window where he's just completely dominant and a massive problem for everybody to tackle. I agree. I think that window is going to shut quicker than people realize, especially thinking about how many carries he had. PJ, you know, when he was at Bama, they rode him in a lot the of ground. wear there. Yep. Uh, so that window is going to shut fast and hard when the time comes. But I think we're still in that window for now. All right. Uh, number three, which team are you most excited to see with their new quarterback? Is it Joe Burrow with the Bengals, Philip Rivers with the Colts? or Cameron Newton with the Patriots? 
Definitely not the Bengals. Uh, Phillip Rivers is funny, but kind of boring to me. So I'm going to go with the Patriots just because, like, it's – you want to see, was it Bill and Tom? Or can Bill scheme up something with a completely new system and a new guy? And what does Cam have left? I think those two on their own are incredibly motivated. And then when you merge them together, like, let's see what these dudes can do together. All right, All right. number four, two-parter. Uh, the first one, it's not a body of war question. It's a 2020 question. Uh, okay. It's Andy Reid versus Bill Belichick. Which one do you take? And then the second part of that question is, who is the third guy in the pecking order in the AFC after those two? I'll definitely do Bill Belichick. I don't care if it's 2020. I don't care if it's body of work. I don't care if it's 2030. I'll never go against him. Um, beyond those two, I think Harbaugh. Like, is pretty proven um like cutting earl thomas that was a move that so many people wouldn't make but he just knows and has a pulse of his locker room and did it to show the rest of his team that he will listen to them i think that kind of stuff is impossible to quantify but means a lot so i'll go harbaugh as the third best coach all right number five who's a team in the afc that you didn't think that didn't make the playoffs last year well you could see making the playoffs this year especially now that you've got the seventh team in there i'll go with the browns like Maybe last year was the overhype year, and then they fell on their face. And this year now, they're kind of coming back to earth with expectations a little bit. Now they add a couple more pieces with Austin Hooper, et cetera, and it finally clicks. So the spotlight is you know, still on them because of Baker and Odell and all those guys and a new coach, but it's not shining as bright, and I think that will help. Even though they're in a tough division, I, I can see the Browns sneaking in as a playoff team. All right, number six, yeah, like rookie Browns. quarterback that you think will have the best career, Burrow Tua Herbert. Tua is – I'm a very risk-averse GM in my head, so I'll never take anybody with any injury history. If you, like, stubbed your toe in the past, you're going to fall <laughs> down my draft board. So, no Tua. I'm going to go with Burrow. Um, Justin Herbert, like, I'm not plugged in – that plugged in in college football, but I have a lot of people who did – who were plugged in tell me that he's, like, a physical freak, but not necessarily there mentally or able to – He's my new Mitch Trubisky, personally. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Burrow, and I don't necessarily think it will be that close either. Okay. That's the interesting part that it won't be that close, but only time will tell. As long as Tua can stay healthy, it'll be interesting at least. Sure. Uh, number seven, and you made it through the 14, who wins the AFC and heads to the Super Bowl? And then with the team you gave PJ for the NFC and the team you gave me for the AFC, who wins the Super Bowl? I'm like exhausted. This has been really, really <laughs> a gauntlet of questions. I'll say the Ravens come out of the AFC. Um, I'm like a sucker for players and storylines and redemption arcs like I think this will be Lamar Jackson's final breakthrough moment where he has a terrific year but then handles his business in the postseason but then I'll have the Saints defeating the Ravens in the Super Bowl so Lamar gets through one of his obstacles but then runs into another one you know I was ready to give you a virtual hug and then you just blew it up I was was just gonna say this is not the time to say that PJ you just you just built PJ up and tore him down and kicked the sand in his face. You had, yeah, now, he was, I could see the smile brewing on his face. Yeah, PJ now it. wants to give me like a virtual middle finger. And stuff. He's, like, <laughs> he's like talking trash in the Zoom chat and saying, F you, you're never welcome back on the podcast. <laughs> Nobody else can see that, but I can. Uh, All right, you made it through. Like we said, you and Chris, you guys are the only two that we turned our Swift 7 into a, a slightly less Swift 14 <laughs> because we wanted to build it out a little bit. Uh, but you're not off the hook yet. We, it, we, we end all our guests with a trivia question. Because okay. we gave you 14, we, we took it down in a little bit of a notch. We didn't kill you on the trivia question. 
Uh, so it's three strikes or 90 seconds. PJ will have 90 seconds on the clock. Who are the last four teams the Washington football team has faced during the last five years of opening weekend? Four teams in the last five years. Meaning so they one played one team twice, obviously, in the last okay. five years. The this Eagles are the team. Your recall. The no, Eagles I, are the team. Correct. This is so up my alley. I will. The Eagles. They played twice. Correct. Uh, they went to Arizona. That was Alex Smith's debut season. They that won that. Correct. Um. So five you, years ago, yeah, I you need help with the math. Twenty fifteen. So I know that they. Okay, I'm slowing down a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> he, right, let me work backwards. Last year, Eagles. Year before, Cardinals. Year before was Kirk. I know. Are the Dolphins in there at some they point? They are. That was 2015. Okay. Yeah, that so you was 2015. Just one, one more. You got 50 seconds left, so plenty of time. Okay, so that, that this is going to be the 2016 year? Yes. Okay, so that's Kirk. It's his second nearest starter. I want to noodle this so badly. <laughs> um, it's going to be – was it a road game? It was not. It was not. Okay, it was a home game. Oh, no. Oh, Steelers Monday night. It Antonio Brown went off. Monday yeah, night debacle. That is correct. Yeah. Oh, that that was the most fun I've had all day. Thank you Pete, for giving me one well that I could actually done. work through. Well done. I love random stuff like that. Eagles were last year. You got that. Well, and then the Cardinals are 2018. Eagles again 2017. Steelers 2016. Dolphins 20. So they're played the Eagles three of the last four years. Well, wait. While we're on the topic, uh, your pick then for their opener this weekend. Um, I really think they will cover quite easily, and I'm tempted to say they're going to win. I don't think they will, though. Um, but I think the defense is going to be really good at rushing the passer all year long. Kind of skeptical on some other things, but great pass rush. And I think the lack of preseason will help them surprise some of these earlier opponents as guys like Antonio Gibson and McKissick are used in creative ways. So Washington will keep it really, really close, and I think their record could be – a lot better this year than people are expecting, but I don't think That's they win. That's what I'm saying. That, 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 you know what? You, you salvaged your Ravens thing with TJ. Last <laughs> week, last week we did our best NF, best bets of the NFL season, and when it came to team win totals, we each put a lock for an over or a lock for an under. I was thinking of Washington as my lock for the under at five and a half. TJ hmm. made them their lock for the over. Now, me personally, I like the direction this team is going. I think the defensive line is going to be tremendous. I think they're going to be in a lot of games this year. I just don't think they're going to close them out. And it's a yeah. really tough schedule. They're going up against their crossover divisions are the two best divisions in football in the NFC West and the AFC North. Um, and, and you maybe give them, even if you want to give them the full benefit of the doubt of three and three in division, which I think is maybe pushing a little bit, um, I still can only get to five. And with five in the hook being the number, I like the under. But PJ went the over. I wouldn't be surprised if they go six or seven. I love Ron Rivera. Uh, but my fear is, again, defense is there. The offense can't really close games out. What happens if Rivera misses a couple games here or there? I don't know. So mm-hmm. I go under. But I do love the kind of building blocks that they have defensively. And they're going to be a, a more fun team to watch than people give them credit for, I think. They're, they could be like the Dolphins were last year in that – well, I don't think people think that the Washington football team was going to be winless like they were picks – for the Dolphins to go winless last year. Right. But it's going to be week 12, and people, I think, are going to look around and say, huh, I didn't realize they had four wins and were actually competitive. I think that's what they can kind of be. Yeah, I like I like 6-10, and 10, maybe even 7-9, and nine just because of, like, the Ron Rivera 
being sick, they're going to rally around him, a whole new start, a lot of young guys who are just completely unpredictable. So I'm with PJ. I like over five and a half for sure. And I might have accidentally placed money on it. I don't know if that's allowed with my job, but I, I might have done that. I don't know. And Pete, remember, in the NFL, it's not about who you play. It's when you play them. So in a season <laughs> with so much uncertainty, you know, you just you never know what's going to happen. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about before we let you go, you sure. are a massive Ricky Fowler fan. We got yeah. the U.S. Open next week. Pete Haley, is this the week Ricky gets <laughs> off the schneid? Dude, I think Ricky's going to live on the schneid for the rest of his <laughs> bleeping career. I am, I'll never give up on him, but I am so over the Ricky Fowler experience. Whatever tournament it was, like a month and a half ago, I forget now, but he, came, he entered Sunday like a stroke off the lead. And I had a watch party in my living room. Oh, Memphis, I was think. Ready to, yeah, it was, yes, the WGC. I was yep. ready to watch the entire final round. He birdied, he barely missed a birdie put on one, then birdied two. And I'm like, yeah, Ricky's going to turn it up. And then what always happens on Sunday, he just disappears from the TV coverage. And the only time you see him is in the background of his partner's shots when his partner is in contention. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, Brooks Kepp, uh, uh puts it to three. And you see Ricky Fowler's ball. He's plus four for the day, completely out of contention. I love the guy. I think he's incredibly cool. He seems to be insanely nice and obviously super talented, but there just seems to be something going on with his head right now where he just cannot compete, and it breaks my heart. But, no, I don't think he gets off the schneid this weekend, PJ, or U.S. Open weekend, or any other Open, or any other PGA, or any other anything. It, it kills me, but it's so annoying. So who is, who is your pick then? <sighs> like, when a golfer is so hot for a couple weeks in a row, I'm tempted to just be like, he can't keep this up. But Dustin Johnson is on a completely another stratosphere with what he's doing. He so I'll say DJ just because – when he's such a runaway train like this and he's making it look so easy, I mean, he won it when he was, what was it, 20 some, 28 under? And then he won it when he was like four under the next week. Two completely different styles. And that in uh, that was Northern Trust, right? That was like yeah. a U.S. Open type condition. So I'll say DJ makes it work and gets the second major. And Joe and I were talking before we came on. No Kepka to deal with too, which is obviously right. huge. So. I know. It, sports is back. We got such a nice September. The schedule's yeah. phenomenal. It's NFL. Phenomenal. Dude, just think, Go ahead. Just think uh, November, Masters Sunday. Oh. I heard it ends at like 2.30. So you're going to have Masters going up till 2.30. You'll have 1 o'clock games on your second screen. And then you just ride right into the witching hour and then 4 o'clock games and Sunday night. That is going to be the single greatest sports oh. watching day ever in the history of this. Pete, and, and the then Saturday, that, you yeah, the Bama LSU. That. Yes, <laughs> yes. That. Well, that, that weekend is going to be unimaginable. If how you're not on your couch drinking be. a beer, then what are, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you should be kicked out of this it's, world, I it's, think. It's going to be great. I, I mean, are, are you interested? Like, what intrigues you most about just week one in an empty stadium? Are you excited just to hear and feel the sounds of the game, right, being up there? Yeah, I guess it'll be cool to kind of hear if uh, you can hear the quarterback or hear the players and all that. But I am worried, like, watching these games, I think there's going to be an impact on the viewing experience. And I basketball, the NBA, I think, has done a really good job. Watching yeah. it feels like it did a couple months ago. But for baseball, I cannot get into baseball at all. And hockey with the catch series, I cannot get into it at all. And I just think I'm, I love the NFL. I think we're all going to enjoy it and welcome it back. But I do think in the fourth quarter – if a quarterback hits a receiver for a 60-yard bomb when it's a clutch 
scoring opportunity and there's no real fan and there's no jumping into the crowd, I think it's going to cheapen the moment just a little bit. Cannot wait for the NFL. I'm going to watch as much of it as I can this season. But without the fans, I do think there's going to be a slight decline in just how it feels to experience those big moments. I don't know. It's my, and my without thoughts. the fans in some places, because then you've got the competitive imbalance yeah, yeah, yeah. where some do, some don't. So, sure. But even so, it's still going to look odd with a, a quarter-filled stadium. I, would, I have wondered if, that, if Packers players will still Lambo leap. Yeah, that's, that's crossed my mind. Point. Mm. <laughs> it's crossed my mind. I like where your head's at. <laughs> yeah, that will be interesting to see. Well, Pete, we appreciate having you on, man. We know you're getting ready to be super busy with the season starting, so it was great talking to you, previewing the season. Good luck to you. Always nice catching up with you. Yeah, I, again, appreciate you guys having me, and I hope you have at least 15 more episodes. It's cool <laughs> to see this uh, pod started a couple months ago, and I remember you guys tweeting about it, and I said, those dudes are hardworking and smart, and I hope it works out, and clearly it's working out. So good job on you, and thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Go Ricky this weekend. Or yeah. next weekend, yeah. sorry, next weekend. It doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not gonna help, but I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, uh, take care, Pete. Thanks again. Once again, that was Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington, who covers the Washington football team. Joe, we've talked about it a little bit, but it's nice we used to work with these guys. So it's nice seeing them doing this podcast. We haven't seen Pete in I mean five, six months, of course, due to the pandemic. So it was great talking to him. And I absolutely loved it. Well, I loved it when he picked the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. I was all ready to give him my virtual hug. And then he picked (laughs) the Saints to win. I slapped that away. But then he came right back and he said the Washington football team, he likes them to go over five and a half. I to say. And I like, (laughs) Pete, I knew I liked you. That's what I like to hear. Of course he had to say that. I I get that. He's got, got, what's it, uh... Stockholm syndrome. He's been at. He's been in Ashburn the whole time, and True. he sees he's he's gotten he's gotten Ron Rivera on the brain, and he's he's buying into this team. I don't blame him. I probably would too if I was in there every day. But let's not lose sight of their schedule. It is brutal. Let's not lose sight of all the major deficiencies they have outside of their defensive line. Uh, it's we'll see. We'll, we'll see. But uh, we'll I, see. I, still, I need Dwayne Hap- Haskins to have a Lamar Jackson type sophomore leap. Can it's not that happen? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not happening. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> we also talked to him about his favorite golfer, Ricky Fowler. And Joe, I was expecting, you know, Pete would be like, "Oh, absolutely, he's going to win the U.S. Open." No he couldn't have been more pessimistic. <laughs> he was like, yeah, "Ricky's never getting off." He, he utilized all of his optimism on the Washington football team. Clearly, he, he doesn't he have did. any left over for Ricky Fowler. Now, and again, Wingfoot, we'll talk about a lot more next week when the U.S. Open happens, but it's, I mean, it's, we talked about with Steve Sands, big boy golf course. Uh, There's somebody who's going to win there, is going to be a long hitter who's hitting it straight, and right now Fowler is just not hitting it straight. He's usually such a great putter, and he just hasn't been putting it well, so hopefully he can play well because Ricky is one of the fan favorites amongst a lot of people. We would all love to see him win a major. But the way DJ's playing right now, the way Justin Thomas is playing, and Rory, just John Rahm, it's going to be tough for Ricky to win next week. Yeah. Last week I went chalk with DJ again, and I got it. I mean, there was no, there was no going against DJ. He, he should have won three tournaments in a row. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that. I, we'll, we'll see next week. I don't think I'm going with him for the U.S. just because it's too many in a row. He's got to lose at some point. But, uh, but that's a topic for next week. But one quick blip that kind of came up on the radar – uh, we haven't talked – the one thing we haven't talked about at all since we started this in 16 weeks is college basketball because 
ended in March abruptly, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's still a little bit too soon to start getting at it. But it's starting to come up again as we're getting into the fall. And uh, the, the idea was floated out there to have every team make the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm not buying it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I don't know what your feelings are on this. I've had, I mean, I saw a couple people on Twitter say for one year they love this. I, I just, it'd be fun. There's, there's a lot of people that I've seen who have kind of equated it to, to European soccer, where in the FA Cup in England, say, you know, you've got a third division team against a first division team, and it kind of makes for some fun. But like, they can't figure out a 68 team bracket sometimes and make a lot of mistakes. You want them to put together like a 354 team bracket? No, it's going to be ridiculous. It's, it's a game where upsets happen because you have an off shooting night. It's going to make things even that much crazier. You already of all the college, the collegiate sports and pro sports. It's the one champion where as fun as March madness is people can discredit it because it's just a, you know, one and done. It's just one and done. That that's, that's what makes it incredible, but that's what also makes it already as fun as it is. The least credible champion in all in all major sports, major sure. college, major pro sports. It's the least credible already uh, until this year's World Series, the way they kind of made that a sham. But uh, <laughs> it, you, you, now how much the Orioles it, make it? Well, now you're going to make it a 354 team. That, that no, yeah. no way. It's they no. can't. It'd be, it'd be um, with, well, it'd plus, be what, you know, what makes college basketball so great is not just the tournament, but conference championship week. Of course. If you have everybody playing, like, what are, you playing, what are you Who playing cares? for? It's just tune-ups throughout I'll the season. I'll tell season. you what. My, my counterproposal, um, I don't know how this works with conference championships. I don't know if you want to do something like this in lieu of conference championships. Um, my thing might have been, just because it's going to be quirky, if you wanted to have – instead of conference championships, you kind of get, um, you kind of get the non power groups into their own little tournament to make the main tournament, um, kind of that sort of thing. But instead of just, instead of having the little conference tournaments, you just have like one big tournament and maybe say, maybe say everybody who makes it to the sweet 16. I, I don't know how the numbers would work. Um, but just for example, sure. anybody who out of that pot of 128 or whatever they were to do, anybody who makes a sweet 16, those 16 teams are in. And now the last couple of rounds are proceeding. Like if you want to make any sort of uh, kind of major change for the fun of it, for the oddity of it in a year where it might not be normal, I think you could do something like that. You can't have a 354. Could you imagine making a bracket, though, for that little tournament? There was the old commercial. I can't remember what brand it was. It was – I don't know if it was a March Madness commercial or if it was a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. I want to say it was a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial where the, the joke was they doubled the size of the tournament, and it was like, everybody's in. That's literally what it would be like, and, and no. You can't, you can't do it. I, look, because the ACC proposed it, it will have a lot of credibility, and I think people will take a long look at it. But March Madness is the greatest sporting playoff in sports. Right there with NHL hockey, they are the top two. You cannot mess with it. I understand because there's so much uncertainty right now in the world. You have to look at everything. But 
hopefully when the desk settles again, the season's not starting for another couple months. You got time. Don't do anything crazy. The tournament's beautiful the way it is. Let teams play. Get the best 68 teams in the field and let them go at it. 354. Agreed. I mean, what are we doing? That's Agreed. Just, now, a tournament that has been normal, I guess, more normal than what that could possibly be, as normal as we could kind of make it, uh, the NBA's bubble, I mean, we've, we've Yo, touched that game on it. It's, last been, it's been great. The basketball's been great. It hasn't really felt odd to me in, no. the, in that arena. I love what they did with the virtual fans. Um, the families, too, now, bringing them in. Yeah, it's been – I think they've handled it about as well as you could, and uh, no 354 teams there or whatever the case is. But uh, – um, it, the Knicks would have missed basketball. the playoffs still if they had They re- still would have. They, they still would have. They still would have. It, it's, been, it's been great basketball. My heat prediction for that series came, came to fruition over the Bucks, and yes. now they, they await to see who they get in the Boy, conference final. And were they loving last night or what? They're like, game oh, seven, go play, play two all. or three more play, overtimes. Play two overtimes in game six. Go, go kill each other in Absolutely. game seven. But I, the heat, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think they might be the team – uh, if, good, they, man. if they They're play the Raptors, I'm picking the Heat. If they play the Celtics, I'm picking the Celtics. But it's going to be a really good series. Uh, I, and I, I will say that I'm picking the Celtics in Game 7. Um, so, with that being said, I will go Celtics over the Heat in the conference final. But, again, if, if the Raptors make it, I see the Heat beating the Raptors. But it's been great in the West. Kind of true to form in terms of where we thought we'd be at this stage of the Clippers-Nuggets series at 3-1. to one. We haven't gotten there the way we thought. I think you and I last week both thought that most of those games would be blowouts. A couple of them have been. Uh, the other one was a close one, and then one of them the Nuggets won. So it's yeah. been closer in two of the four than we thought. Um, but uh, it's, it's Clippers-Lakers. It's coming. We've, we've had it for a long time. Sure Bruins, it's, it's, finally, it's finally coming, and, and the Lakers should go up 3-1 to one tonight and take that commanding lead over the Rockets. So we'll have our LALA. And then, uh, I mean, from a market standpoint, it's going to be L.A. in the finals from the West. It's going to be possibly Boston, Boston or Miami from the East. Yeah. It's going to be a really good big time in terms of TV markets. So. Absolutely. You know, L.A., I'm with you. The Clippers are going to beat the Nuggets. The Rockets, though, have been leading all three of the games heading into the fourth quarter. So if, if they can figure out a way to close out games and not let Russell Westbrook shoot the ball, yeah. not a chance. LeBron's make, just going nuts, though, right now. I'm not and Rondo. I mean, Rondo, Rondo is totally coming back. Huge difference. He's hitting threes, too. Which he, Massive. You know, kinda, there's nights where he's like Westbrook in that aspect, where it's like, all right, take as much space as you want and take the shot. But he was hitting the other night, so. They needed that. Um, Boston, Toronto, I'm with you. I think Boston wins game seven, and I do think they beat the Heat. If Toronto were to win, I think Miami beats them. Honestly, props to Toronto for forcing game seven because Siakam has not been great. And without Kawhi, they just don't have enough offense. But through yeah. pure heart and will and just to refuse to lose with Lowry and Van Fleet, who are both just winners, they have forced the game seven. It's reminded so me a lot of the Thunder Rocket series where yeah, the Rockets right. you knew were the better team pretty much every night. Thunder just have so much Thunder heart. Thunder just kept plugging away and, and got it for game seven. Kind of the same thing here. Uh, it's Van Vliet has been spotty. Siakam has been spotty. Lowry's, Lowry's been answered the incredible. bell. He's answered the bell. He's but great. in a game seven, everything on the line, what's more likely to happen is kind of my thinking. 
everybody on the Raptors puts it together or any combination of these couple guys in Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Marcus Smart, yeah, Smart who's been phenomenal, put it together. I'm going with the, with the Celtics for sure. Yeah, um, I'm with you, but it should be a great game. You got two of the best coaches in the league, Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens, so it should be a lot of fun. That was the best game of the bubble last night. NHL, Joe, Vegas, Dallas, they play game three tonight. Again, goals have been hard to come by in yeah. Vegas games. They got shut out one nothing in game one. They shut out Dallas 3 nothing in game two. Do you see either of those teams getting some more goals here tonight? I couldn't get a real good read on that series the first two games. Like, I, on one hand, I thought that the, the one nothing game was maybe not – the scoreline wasn't necessarily indicative of the result. Same thing in the second game. I don't really feel like the scoreline was indicative of the result. I like the way Vegas has played. It's a little troublesome that for as many shots as they get, the goals kind of sparsely come in bunches now all of a sudden, ever since Thatcher Demko just shut them down in that series for Vancouver. You know, they were scoring at will, and then he comes in in game five and in game six, and they go six periods with scoring. I think it was one goal. Yeah, one goal. goal. Yeah, that was it. They scored the the goal in the second period of Game Five. They got shut out in Game Six, and they still took forever to break through in Game Seven. Not until uh, the so third period. Yeah, not until the third period, and and then they come off of that with a shutout loss. But then they get three goals in the span of like five or six minutes. I think it was. Um, I forgot the exact number, but they get three goals in a very short span in the second period of Game Two. And but that was still it. Two empty periods sandwiching that. So I really don't have a read on that series at all yet. I like Vegas in Game Three just because. They have been the aggressor, and, and you figure maybe the goals start coming at some point. But I don't know. Dallas just – they clog the neutral zone so well. And, and again, Vegas is just – they've shown it. Like, they, their goal output, regardless of their shot output, could just disappear. Um, so, I like Vegas. But the other side of it – The, the Islanders, that was a gut punch last The night. Lightning have dealt two gut punches to the Islanders. Yeah. And they are two totally opposite gut punches. You've got an 8-2 shellacking, and then you've got a 2-1 to win where you score 7.8 seconds left. A thousand I'd rather lose 8-2. to two. I'd rather 100%. lose 8 hundred percent. Without Kalorn and Point, the Islanders knew they had to get last night's game. It was 1-1, looking like it was going to OT. And before um, Kucherov's goal, <laughs> Tampa Bay had two twice. great looks. Two yeah. great looks. They couldn't get it. You're thinking, oh, the Islanders are going to survive it. They throw one on goal. He's great, scored. great play from Ryan McDonough. Um, they, they had mentioned it on the NBC broadcast afterwards, and I was saying to myself, "What are you doing that far in the corner?" But then I was like, "Oh, that's a genius play." Because I'm, I'm caught up in the action, zeroed in on the action. I didn't glance up at the clock and realize at that point that there were still there were only eight seconds, seconds left. Yeah. So he knew. They mentioned it on TV. I'm not going to take credit for this. I, it's not me. It's I think it was Hanson Carter who brought it up. Um, but it's, it's so true. Like the, the wherewithal as a defenseman to know I can take a risk here and come all the way up in the corner because I know that there's not enough time for them to then get it and go down. back up the ice. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to sell out here. Yeah, and then point. the pass he made, no look, through three on the defensemen, tape. Yep. on the tape to Kucherov back for incredible play. Uh, I got a friend who's an Islanders-Mets fan. That's a popular combo. What a 20-minute high to low they went from, uh, you know, earlier in the hour seeing that Conforto catch, maybe catch of the year. 
Pete Alonso oh, homer in the me. bottom of the eighth to get the to to get the W then in the top of the ninth to Edwin Diaz. Uh, and then 20 minutes later, you have that happen. So you, the Mets season may be saved in that sequence, and then the Islanders come out and, and do that. The Mets Islanders fans, of which I am not, Mets Rangers for me, as we mentioned, uh, the Mets Islanders combo had a very interesting half an hour last night. They did. Now that Conforto catch was ridiculous. Tampa, though, it's, it's their year. I, I, again, Tampa, I, Tampa, go, Tampa, all the way. I go back to that five-overtime game against Columbus. Once they won that and they're like, okay, we, we've gotten through this team. They would have lost that. They might have lost that series. I'm with you. I'm with you. But, That's much how, like, the Caps needed to beat Columbus in game three, that double-overtime goal to propel them. It was the same thing. Once they got through that. I think you saw the – kind of the weight that was lifted off the Capitals when they beat the Penguins that yes. year, when they finally overcame those demons. Um, that was what I think you saw with the Lightning. They were very tense in that first game against Columbus. Even after winning that five-overtime game, they were tense in the next couple of games of that series, too. They got through it, but they were tense. Uh, but once they fully got past Columbus, I mean, they have been clicking on all cylinders, and they're a train that I don't think is getting stopped by anything in this postseason. And, and they've got a commanding 2-0 lead. And it's, it's, it's probably done. It's probably it, done. Uh, I'm with you. Before we get into trivia to end all our podcasts, as we always do, again, as I mentioned, we'll do our top five favorite football bets. So this can be a combination of college and pro. We'll start with our five fifth favorite bet, and we'll work all the way up to one. So we'll trade off each bet, Joe. So I'll start with five, and then you give me five, and so on and so on. So my fifth favorite bet of the weekend, Joe, is actually your New York Jets, plus six and a half versus the Bills. I Again, need some of whatever you've been on the last week, PJ. <laughs> I just, because it's a rivalry game in week one, I know the Jets' defense is so banged up and such a disaster. But again, the Bills' offense really is nothing special. I don't trust Josh Allen. Stefan Diggs might take him a couple weeks to get adjusted to the offense. They don't know who their true number one running back is, so maybe they're trying to get a committee of guys adjusted. I just think six and a half is too big of a number. So I don't like the Jets to win, but I do like them to cover. For my fifth best, I'll go with uh, the over in tonight's game, actually, just to get it out of the way since it's a Thursday game. It's 53 and a half, actually. It just moved since we started recording to now uh, from what it was. It's 53 and a half. Okay. I don't see any problems with that. Um, 53 and a half in a game that I think the Chiefs are going to score 42. So basically you're banking on the Texans at least getting two touchdowns, which I think happens. So give me the over in tonight's game as my, as my number five. My number four, I'm going to college football. It's the only college game I got of the weekend. Syracuse plus 23 versus North Carolina. North Carolina, it's been much talked about. Sam Howell, and you know about Trevor Lawrence. You know about Justin Fields who won't be playing this year. But all of a sudden, Sam Howell's starting to get all this media attention, and people are talking about how UNC could be that team to challenge Clemson along with Notre Dame. And week one, 23 is too big of a number. Syracuse did not have a good year last season. Their defense wasn't good. Their quarterback, Tommy DeVito, wasn't good. But Dino Babers is still a good coach. They won nine games the year before. And you know, if you're telling me Syracuse can lose 45-24 and they can lose by three touchdowns and I'm still a winner, I'm on board. So give me the cues. I've got another college game for my number four, and I'm going with a favorite. And it's a favorite that Tim Murray, uh, if he's still keeping tabs on us after he was a guest a few weeks ago, will be happy with. 
Uh, Notre Dame is minus 20 at home against Duke to open up their official ACC uh, residency, even though, again, they've basically been an ACC team in the last few years. Officially, though, for the first time, ACC painted on the field. Uh, I think they want to make a statement. Uh, they are, for their one year only, uh, a force to be reckoned with in the ACC. I've never been a big Duke guy. I mean, um, they are always that team in the ACC that I feel like people pick them to, oh, they're going to be a surprise six and six or seven and five and make a bowl game and have a chance in that division. And then they come out and they're like four and eight. Um, on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a notorious slow starter to a season as well. But I think just kind of everything coming together. Um, Ian Book is a sleeper Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, at home, looking to make a statement. Big to have minus 20. So, because I think this is a three touchdown game. Uh, I've got this game at something like 35 14, something along those lines. So, I'll take Notre Dame minus 20. I really like that this week. My number three, I hate picking against my team. I really do. But eight, <laughs> seven and a half, eight, whatever you can get it at, too big of a number. I like Cleveland to cover. Again, when the Ravens play, whether it's the Steelers, the Browns, the Bengals at home, it's never blowouts. They're always close. And in an NFL week one game with no preseason between divisional teams, two maybe playoff teams, you know, seven and a half, eight's way too big. So give me the Browns to cover as my third favorite. I like that. I like that. And now just quick while it's on my mind since we did the two college games. College totally crept up on us. I mean, (laughs) with, with, with the Big 12 and with the SEC kind of having their major kickoffs September 26th, in my mind, I had it like, all right, college football doesn't start for another two weeks. But, like, ACC is this week, and there's a lot of other good games and stuff this week. So, it right. really, the really – The schedule I was looking, it doesn't truly get good until October. The SEC right. exactly. returns the last week of September. Exactly. ACC's got some cupcakes. But it, had, it is great to have it. Back. We've had some of these, like, small games on ESPN here right. and there already. Um, and I don't know, I just had, like I said, I had it in my mind where that's what it was going to be for another couple of weeks until the 26th and until October. And then it was going to be college football mode. I'm not, I'm locked in, but now it's like, damn, I forgot that the ACC is actually going on. 12. Yeah. They're and, back. And so here we are. But so. No, October is when it's going to be. October is when we'll be locked in. Now, uh, my third pick, uh, I'm going to Monday night for it. Okay. I really love the Steelers with minus six against the Giants. That game, I think, is going to be an absolute just manhandling by Pittsburgh. Their defense is lights out. Their offense with Big Ben back looking to make a statement. The Giants could put 11 traffic cones out there defensively and might produce a similar result. And offensively, they have the weapons, but it's going to be an uphill battle against the Steelers' defense. That might be the best in the league. It might be the best in the league. It's pretty damn good. close to it. Uh, it's you you're telling me that I could get them with uh, a touchdown and, and I get the W because it's a minus six. Give me the Steelers. They will win that game by at least a touchdown. My number two, Joe, you know me for long enough to know how bad I am at betting over-unders. So <laughs> when I like something, I bet the opposite. And I hit a good amount of the time. So I went through the NFL slate. I picked out my favorite over-under, and I did the opposite. So I'm going chargers Bengals over, okay? I looked at this, 95, 95% of the money is on the under in this game. And it makes a lot of sense. Tyrod Taylor, very conservative quarterback, playing in his first game as starter for the Chargers. Joe Burrow, obviously a rookie with no preseason. You have no idea what he's going to get. 
The under makes a lot of sense. It's dropped down from 46 to 42, but not for this guy, baby. We're going over. <laughs> Chargers Bengals is my favorite. It's my second favorite play of the week. All right. So here's where we could have a little bit of fun here. And uh, it's not, it's not necessarily like my second lock of the week. It's my second favorite bet because of the value of it. Okay. And, and, and like I said, it's where we have a little fun. Uh, a Falcons Bengals money line parlay is my second favorite play of the week. Okay. It's, I, I told you it's not my lock. It's not, but it's my second favorite play of the week because I think it's kind of under the radar. You get really good value. I like both of those teams at home. Uh, we, we already talked earlier on about, about the Falcons and the Bengals and, uh, and you get 4.5 to 1 odds on it. So I like the Falcons, Bengals, Moneyline Parlay. Parlay, I like it. Favorite play of the week. And my number one, I've already told you, you think I'm crazy, but I'm rolling with Denver, Rocky Top. Uh, Rocky number top, one, Rocky that is, High. That is <laughs> Broncos, Moneyline. Right now, they're, you know, dogs by one and a half. If you want to, you can take them as plus one and a half. And if they lose by one, you're still a winner. I'm just taking them straight up on the money line. Mile High is a tough place to play in prime time on the road. Titans got a lot of hype around them. Now with Jadavian Clowney signing him even more so. I think this will be a low, hard-fought, tight game. And I think the Broncos find a way to pull it out. They are my number one bet of the week. PJ, my number one bet of the week is the Bills minus six and a half against the Bills. Is it, really? <laughs> it is. It is. I'm, I, I, I don't know if this is just me being the overly pessimistic Jets fan that I am um, or if it's me being actually smart and having followed the Jets so closely, obviously, all offseason as a fan. I don't know which of those two it is right now. It's like the angel and the devil on the shoulder. I don't know which one is talking to me, um, but, but it's, it's on the road. Uh, I know what we said about like the Bills and the Browns that hype train, but the Jets are going to be awful, man. The Jets, like they, they to start the year, uh, they are going to be so bad. It's it's out of the gates. It's Bills, Niners, Colts. After they get through that, you could start looking at them as a team that has now had a month in the books. The offensive line gelling uh, from left to right. It's an entirely new offensive line. There is no holdover. Every relationship on that chain is new next to each other. Um, Mims and Perriman just got back this last week of practice. Jamison Crowder's there, sure. I don't know what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. That seems to – I here's a, here's a best bet for the season that you can't find odds anywhere. Le'Veon Bell, will be, traded. The season Le'Veon yet, Bell right. will be traded by the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, so there's just too many things that can blow up on the Jets. And the defense, they got to figure so much out with Mosley and – Adam's gone from last year's team. The corners, who knows? Um, Let me ask you, though. If it's so obvious that the Bills' six-and-a-half is just too small, then why is it six-and-a-half? PJ, that's, that's my, one, gri- that's that's my gets- one gripe with gambling. I Well, there's many. Bad beats <laughs> and whatnot. But right, right. that is one of my things that sometimes I think that you know, the, the sharps and the squares and this and that, right? I think sometimes there's, there, there are certain games where everybody gets too overly caught up in that instead of just looking at the football of it. And, and this, to me, it, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. Like seven times out of ten, you could say, all right, the money's on them, the public's on them, 
the line hasn't moved, whatever, you, you know, go through it and you, you find your play. This is one of those where even though that's in play, I'm just looking at it as a fan of the Jets. Mind you, picking against my own team, and I'm sitting here saying, I think this is just one of those weeks where it's, it's the Sharps just playing it the way they're playing it for the sake of it because the public is playing it the way the public's playing it, and it just doesn't match with the football on the field to me. So um, here's my thing. I know. So you love the Bills minus six and a half, but you won't pick them as your survivor pick this week. Why is that? Oh, I did pick them as my survivor pick this oh, week. Oh, you picked the Bills? Yeah, we talked all fair about this. I didn't want to. I didn't want to double up. That was the thing. I'm in two of them, and in in the one that we're in, uh, I did not pick the Bills. That's what we were talking about. Gotcha. But in my in my other survivor pool, I did. I just didn't gotcha. want to double up. I, I considered I considered doubling up, <laughs> but I did not. I went with the Chiefs in ours uh, to get sure. that out of the way tonight, and with the and with the Bills in the other. Okay, okay. Because that's how I think of it too. I'm like. Would I take the Bills and survive? Like, I wouldn't trust the Bills and survivors. So, why would I pick a minus six uh, and a half? So, we'll see what happens, though. Joe, how about that? We're both going against our teams in week one. <laughs> that's not good. All right. Well, that's uh, and again, you know, usually we're going to record these on Wednesday. Today, we're doing it Thursday morning with the ever changing pandemic that is going on. These picks could change. I'll tweet them out Saturday before the yeah. college game. I starts. tweet mine out as well every week. And, and, yep. and we'll, we'll maybe yeah, I'll tweet our the, picks on out on the Glass of Joe well, uh, so. Twitter account. But as of yep. now, those are the five that we're leaning and, towards. And like we said, each week we'll probably whittle this down to just our five bets or maybe a couple other games we want to talk about. We're not, we don't have the intentions yeah. of going through all 16 games every week. This is, otherwise, it's going to turn into uh, just a strictly NFL picks podcast, which we don't want to turn it into. Sure. We want to talk. PGA. We want to talk NBA, NHL. It was just that the way this week is gone, uh, you know, we, we figured there wasn't anything that we really wanted to jump out with that would overtake football being back the Christmas week that it is or Hanukkah week that it is. 100%. Uh, and, and really enjoying, really enjoying it and going through them all. So we will tweet them out every week. You will see all our picks every week. We will keep tabs against each other. We got to think of a wager between us for season's end. Um, but we've got time to, to let Waffle that Waffle House. I mean, how does that sound? That sounds good. That sounds well, good. I'm, whenever you're in the area, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. Whenever we're, Waffle you know what? House is in Florida, is there? What? there? Oh, there's a ton of them. There's oh, are there? Okay. Oh, it's, it's everywhere. We, there, we, that, there we go. That's perfect. Waffle End of the House. season. Done. End of the season. We'll, we'll, we'll add another fun part to it. Not that our teams are rivals, but uh, whenever it's safe to go into a Waffle House again, loser has to buy the other person waffle house while wearing the shirt of that person's team so either you're buying me waffle house in jets gear or i'm buying you waffle house in ravens gear love that that? absolutely love that that. beautiful all right so joe as always you know the deal trivia time um it is jets ravens this week jets ravens this week it's uh six to four and a half it is six. It is six to four and a half. Six to four and a half. All right. So I'll give you your question first. I was hard on you last week because it was a crapshoot question. This one I think you're gonna like much. I'm sorry. It's six to three and a half. I've got six to three and a half. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. So hopefully we can get you to four and a half. It's the same question I gave Pete Haley, but for your Jets. Okay. Who are the four teams the Jets have faced on opening day the last five years? So they've played one team twice. Whenever you're ready, go for it. Okay, I am ready. Go ahead. The Bills? The Bills, they have played twice. That is correct. Yes. Okay, uh, the last five years, uh, they have played the Browns. The Browns was 2015, correct? 
They have played the Lions. Monday night, 2018, correct? Uh, one like, more. Like Pete, I got those three out of the way easy, and it's the last one. So, like Pete, which year am I missing? 2016. 2016. Okay. Um, so 30 seconds. You got 60 left. Yeah, I got plenty of time. Uh, 2016. It's 2020. That means in 2016, they also played uh, the NFC East. I don't think they opened against any NFC. I'm sorry. No, not the NFC East. They played the NFC West. I don't think they opened against a Western team. Um, I don't think they opened in division. I was probably at this game. Um, shoot. The last one's always the hardest. Gosh. 30 seconds. Um, 2016, the Bengals? Correct. Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. I was there. I said I, I, said I was yes. there. And I, you, you, this is – I don't know why this is the memory that came to mind, PJ. But this was very soon after Harambe died. Remember that whole thing? <laughs> so at the game, at the game, there were Jets fans that held up a sign that – because it was the Cincinnati Zoo, and they were playing Cincinnati in week one. So there were fans holding up – there was a sign of Andy Dalton – and it said, because you know how, uh, with his nickname, the, the Red Rifle, yeah. it said, you killed Harambe. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, that's what, that's what that jumped into my awful. mind. So, that's yeah, you got it. That's what jumped into my mind. So, there we go. Buffalo, All right. You, we got, you got me to four and a half. So, Buffalo is 2019-17, Lions 2018, Bengals 2016, Browns 2015. So, just like the Washington football team has faced the Eagles three out of the last four years, you're facing Buffalo three. Buffalo early and often. And, and, yes. the, and the years that you've mentioned that they haven't played the Bills in week one, uh, two of those times they played the Bills in week two Thursday night. So, they got them out of the gates right away. True. All right. Um, there you go. So, well done. Four and a half. All right. So, now my question for you. Uh, it's similar to some things that we've kind of done in the past, as far as the general idea about a, uh, a team's record against uh, other teams in the league. Now, right. the Ravens, since their inception, they've had a lot of success. You know that as a Ravens fan. Uh, there are only eight teams in the NFL, eight teams only in the whole league, that they have a below 500 record against. I want you to give me uh, 50% of those. If you could give me four of the eight, you give me 50% of the teams that they have uh, a losing record against. I will give it to you, and your time starts now. The Packers. Packers are one of them. Um. Patriots. Patriots are one of them. Steelers. Steelers are the the closest one, but yes, three of the four. Not the Bengals. Not the Browns. And it'd be the Packers. You got a whole minute left. You got all your strikes to work with, so you're in a good spot, just like I was. Bears. I wonder if I should have made it five instead of four. The Bears you, are there. You can do five. Can you get another one? Yeah, you, you get can another do five. one? <laughs> Bears. Um... I'll give you a half point if you don't get the fifth, since you already got the four that I said. So we'll put us on even pegging with both having a half win. <laughs> I'll go Vikings. Uh, the Vikings are not one of those teams. No, so you okay. got two strikes and you got 30 seconds to get that fifth. You brought it on yourself. It's a half win or a full win. What are we getting now? <laughs> I mean. I... 20 seconds, two strikes. 
I want to just think if there's any other team I can match him with. Um, Ten seconds. All right, I'll go with the Giants. The Giants are not one of them. You got one strike at the buzzer. Five seconds left. Oh, uh, Chargers. Chargers are not one of them. Okay. So, all right. The Broncos, were they one? The Broncos were not either. Oh, okay. So the, the eight teams that they've got a losing record against, Patriots, Chiefs you got, Packers you got. Oh, Bears I didn't get the Chiefs. Got. Oh, you didn't get the Chiefs. Sorry. Well, yeah. you didn't get the Chiefs. The Chiefs, uh, okay. Packers and the Bears you got, Steelers you got. The other team that was kind of surprising to me, uh, the Jaguars. They got a losing record against the Jaguars. Yeah, they do not play them well. They do not. Uh, now, again, a couple of NFC – another NFC team where they just haven't played them much. They're 2-4 and four against the Panthers. The one I thought you were going to get as your last one, and this is why I made it four instead of eight, but you put uh, – four instead of five, but you pushed it to five, so you only got yourself a half win. Uh, the, I thought you were going to get the Colts for all the Peyton Manning years. They're four and eight against the Colts. Yes, they are. I figured – I figured you would get the Patriots. I figured you would get the Packers and the Bears yeah. uh, because those are the two NFC teams that stick out. I figured you'd get the Steelers. That's why I was a little hesitant on four or five. Uh, but, hey, you take your half win, and now we're both on uh, – We are, on yeah. Equal, peg, equal pegging with the, with the half win. The Colts, the Colts I'm mad about because they never beat the Colts. The, ja- the Jags is a great one, and it's, it is true. They, they always struggle with Jacksonville. I think um, we're like writing the unwritten rules on half wins. It's what was the other you, N- yeah? What was the other NFC team besides the Packers Panthers. and Bears? Panthers. Panthers. Yeah, it's it's if you if you get one right off air and then get one on air wrong, that was a half win for me. Right. Or if you if you get cocky and want to give a fifth instead of a fourth, and you don't end up getting the fifth, you get a half win. So well, you we gain ground on me. And my my lead's now two, six and a half to four and a half. Six and a half to four and a half. Nice. All right. Well, well done. Well, Joe, that was a lot of fun. You excited for some football tonight? I'm so excited for it. I got, I mean, I'm sure it's not the highest quality, but I got an Outback gift card. So I'm just going to get a full rack of ribs. Oh, baby. I got a couple of good beers that I went out to buy. I'm going to do it up nice. uh, You know what the most underrated part of the NFL returning is, is all the morning shows before the one o'clock kickoff when you get to turn on CBS, Fox, ESPN, NFL Network. And it's just great. It's great. And at work, at work, we've got a ton of TVs at work, and I've been told that uh, with, between Red Zone and between other things that I'm not going to miss any second of any game when I'm at work Fantastic. on Sundays, which is that, nice. That is excellent. Enjoy. Well, good luck to your Jets. Hopefully they lose by less than six and a half. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, and we'll see what happens next week. Thanks again to Pete Haley for joining us. Good luck to his Washington football team. And uh, Joe will be back next week for, I mean, another busy week. We'll have – Football, college and NFL, U.S. Open to talk about. NBA, we'll know the conference finals matchups. We might know the Stanley Cup final matchup, possibly. So we'll might. We might. Might. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then baseball, they'll have like a week. We'll start week. having it. We, we've got a couple weeks without talking baseball because it's been just in the middle sure. of the year. And but they're starting to rev it up. But it's starting to rev up. So Absolutely. we got to get back into that next week. So, yeah. Well, we'll see you next time for week 17 episode.